Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. We're doing a sermon series through Hebrews right now. We're doing it kind of based on a, not only the Word of God, but a Paul Simon song, Slip Sliding Away. Remember the song? Slip sliding away. Remember this, Dennis? I do. Can you sing it for us? Oh, no. I no, okay. So Dennis doesn't want to do that. But we, we thought maybe the word that comes out of Hebrews would be even better, and that's drifting. Uh, we're drift, drifting away, right? Your Jesus is so great, says the writer of Hebrews, and yet you're drift, drifting away. And there's a number of reasons why they might just be drift, drifting away. Remember now what this book is going to be about. We have three major uh, outline uh, dynamics to this. First off is the majesty of Christ. Basically chapter one through about half of chapter four. We're going to find out that Christ is greater than the prophets, greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham. Christ is greater. Hallelujah. Then we're going to find out that there's a ministry as priest that Christ has in our lives. Then we're going to find out that there has to be a ministry for Christ through us. We're also called to the priesthood. And so, having said that, the problem here with these Jewish Christians, now we're not quite sure where they're at. We think they're probably in Rome. We're not quite sure who the writer is. But whoever is writing this to the Jewish Christians in Rome, they're sensing, the writer senses, they're starting to drift away. They're starting to recognize that other things might be greater than Jesus. And so... The writer to the Jewish Christian says, no, there's nothing greater. And last week we talked about why they might have been thinking this. Maybe they're distracted. Is it possible to get distracted from Jesus? Maybe they're bored. Is it possible to get bored? Maybe they are so persecuted they're looking for something easier. And maybe they're just adapting to their culture. All these things aren't just problems with the Jewish Christians in Rome. They can be problems for us as well. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to read from Hebrews 3. Would you please stand in reverence to the Word of God? And Dennis this morning is going to read for us. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what, what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and, and the hope of which we boast. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Who were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for this day, Lord, uh, um, for all that you have done for us, for the blessings that you have just bestowed upon us. Lord, we thank you. Uh, we just give you all the honor and praise and glory and just, um, we just pray for Pastor Matt as he shares the word that you have laid on his heart. Um, just open our hearts to hear and understand what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dennis. You may be seated. Thank you. So there's three things I'd just like to pick out of this this morning. And the first one is this. Christ is greater than Moses. Now most of us are thinking, yeah, I get that. But there was a tradition at the time that said Moses is the greatest human being that ever lived. Other traditions would say, no, it's Abraham. And the writer to the Jewish Christian says, no, it's Jesus. The entire Jewish religion came through Moses. But listen, you're Christians now. And the entire Christian tradition comes through Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything Moses ever dreamed of. And so we recognize this greater than-ness of Hebrews. Furthermore, it says this all throughout. In fact, I love what Dennis just read about. That the builder of the building is greater than the building. The creator is greater than the created. And Moses was created. Abraham was created. Jesus was forevermore. Jesus always was. Jesus was the builder. Jesus was the creator. And in that we can say, therefore, I probably ought to, got to go ahead and bet my life on Jesus. Not on Moses. Not on the angels. Not on the prophets. But on Jesus. And if you remember, one of the things Jesus does in the post-resurrection he holds a big Bible study that says, listen, this is how all that spoke about me. This is what Torah said about me. This is what the history said about me. This is what the prophets said about me. It's all about Jesus anyway. Jesus is greater than. And so we look at that and say, we can find resonance in our souls with this person, Jesus Christ. Now again, uh, one of the things we have here, uh, when you leave today, if you'd like some of the pastor's sermon notes, they're out there for you. They're out there every week. If you ever want to grab something, you think, I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure I got all of that or something. It's all out there. But one of the things I have in my notes that we didn't throw up here because I couldn't figure out how to throw it up here is simply what Hebrew says over and over and over again about the greater than-ness of Jesus. It starts in chapter 1. Jesus greater than the prophets, which we've already said. Jesus greater than the angels in chapter 1 and 2. Jesus greater than Moses, chapter 3. Jesus greater than Joshua, chapter 4. Jesus greater than the high priest in 5 and 7 and 6 and 7. Jesus the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We'll have to talk about that one some more to make you understand that. But 
this whole thing of, hey, he's greater than Abraham. Jesus' ministry is greater than the tabernacle ministry. Jesus' ministry, this new covenant, greater than the old covenant. It talks about that in chapter 8. Jesus' sacrifice, greater than the Old Testament sacrifice in chapter 10. And experiencing Jesus is greater than the experience on Mount Sinai. Now you're thinking, yeah, I think I get that, preacher. But they weren't getting it. And so he has to remind them, Jesus is greater than anything you could have conceived outside of Jesus in the Old Testament. In fact, the whole Old Testament is about Jesus. Now you think, okay, okay, can we go to the second point? Well, just hang on a minute. Is it possible that we could get to the point where something is greater than Jesus in our lives? Now, they were struggling with this. They were struggling theologically, but they were also struggling with it practically. Because what we're going to get to eventually here is, remember, the last part of this book talks about ministry for Christ. I suspect there's something that they are doing that leads us to believe that something that they're thinking is wrong. By the way, one of the great uh, theological professors I ever had taught Bible study, the great Robert Traina. Robert Traina said this, You do what you believe. And you believe what you do. Now think about that. It's simple, but it's profound. You do what you believe, and you believe what you do. I believe there's something that these Jewish Christians are doing that leads the writer to think they need some correction. Not only in their doing, but in their thinking. And I suspect there are some people here today that need some correction as well. What are you saying? Well, we're saying this. It's really possible for something to get greater than Jesus in our lives. I'm going to say that how we expend our lives, the energy that we expend our lives on, the things that get the mostest attention in our life tend to be the great things of our life. And let me, let me tell you exactly what I mean here. Some of us, our jobs own us more than we own our jobs. I mean, our jobs are our God. Now you think, well, wait a minute, I've got to spend eight hours at that job every day. Someone's got to spend 40 to 60 hours a week at this job. Of course, it's going to get a good bit of our attention. But the whole point of this is, Jesus ought to have our full attention, and we do our jobs through Jesus. Amen. All right? Uh, same thing for our relationships. Your marital relationship should not be the greatest thing in your life. Jesus is greater than your marriage. Amen. And if he's not greater than your marriage, that's probably the problem with your marriage. Well, that wasn't nearly strong enough. Thank you, dear. Can we do... I want everybody to hear what she just did, and let's do all do that. Jesus is greater than your marriage. Come on. That still is kind of pitiful. I don't think... Bill, I don't think they believe this. I don't Do you believe this or not? Maybe we need to get this down to where we can really get it here. Jesus is greater than, here we know, I know you're not going to believe this one, than college football. Amen. <laughs> See, I got you on that one. Thank you. Thanks for coming with me. But do we really believe that? Yes. Remember now, you do what you believe. You believe what you do. Some of us are giving more emotional energy to football than we do this thing called our faith, Jesus Christ. Anything that doesn't happen to me. I'm going to tell you, we all struggle with it. And we, we, we threw it up there a few minutes ago. We threw it up there to say, it's easy to get distracted and start placing other things more important than Jesus. 
It's easy to get bored, which is fascinating to me. I, listen, I'm an academician, so I, uh, I teach at a seminary. I've done that for 31 years. Got that PhD thing and was able to and written some books and written some academic articles. You know what I find fascinating with my crowd, the academic crowd? It's possible for us to say, the Jesus thing's quaint, it's cute, it's nice, it's neat. Now let's go on to other things. Let's go on to other things like that little nuance in the, in the book of Amos. Let's study that little nuance there. Let me write a paper on that. Let's go off in this nuance of the whole thing of Melchizedek. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, we don't have nearly enough papers in the world on Melchizedek. Yes, we do. Anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and write on that because that's mysterious. That's interesting. That's a little deeper than Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. They ain't nothing deeper than Jesus. And yet we get carried away with cooler things, with neater things, with the things that evangelical America wants to talk about today. You know, Max Lucado wrote that cool book. Let's go off and read the book. The book's greater than Jesus. Now, I'm not saying Max Lucado is a great guy, I'm sure. I have no idea. Never read one of his books. But the point is, it's possible to get carried away with our evangelical celebrities with our favorite talk radio shows, with our favorite TV shows. And on this thing goes, folks, it's really easy for something to be greater than Jesus in our lives. And the point is, there was, the writer was saying something to the Jewish Christians that we need to hear as well. We do what we believe, we believe what we do. Can we say that we believe that Jesus is the greatest thing of our lives, the greatest person of our lives. Hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Take care of your unbelieving hard heart. Verse 7 through 11 quotes Psalm 95. And it's basically tenderize your heart or you will die in the desert. <laughs> I tell you, I don't want to die in the desert. By the way, this is a song. This is part of the Psalter. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to know that this was a song. Songs are important. I, uh, Ms. Jody, let me tell you how important songs are. Uh, one of the things Ms. Jody does every week is uh, she gets her team together, and I'm part of that team. And we go to John Hopkins, and we, uh, we do a lot of things. And one of the things they do is, uh, is we do is uh, we throw up some songs. And uh, Ms. Lana usually leads the songs. And so Ms. Lana said, okay, let's sing this song. We, we sing a song. Now, I think the best way to memorize theological concepts and to memorize Scripture and to memorize the 66 books of the Bible, the best way to do that is the way I'm trying to get you to do it, with this catechism out there. Everybody can pick one up and just read through the catechism. 125 questions of pretty significant theology and pretty significant Bible. One of the things we ask is, hey, can you tell me all 66 books of the Bible in order, that's one of the questions. It's a big question. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, verse 6, 7. My family's always been able to do that because we've got this catechism, we memorized them just like that. So I start going to a John Hopkins Bible Club. And they start teaching these cute little songs. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 
First and second Samuel, first and second King, first and second Chronicles. I'm going down this highway and I can't get this stupid song out of my head. Some, some preacher in front of me will say, turn to the book of Zephaniah. I'll say, wait a minute. Genesis, Exodus, get it in the Come on, song. Speed it up. I got to get the Zephaniah here. I mean, I got this, these crazy songs. Well, guess what Psalm 95 was? It was a crazy song that these guys sang. They sang it in the sanctuary. They sang it as they were moving towards Jerusalem. They sang it when they got to the temple. They sang these songs all the time. This is the hit list of Jesus. And in 7 through 11, it talks about one of these songs, part of one of these songs, it says, listen, don't let your heart get hard. So they were singing it. Don't let your heart get hard. Don't let, I don't know how the tune went. I have no idea. Don't do what they did at Kadesh Barnea. Don't let your heart get hard. I have no idea. But something along these lines. And so when they were zipping down the road, they couldn't help but think of this crazy tune and these crazy words that reminded them, don't let this happen to you. What happened? Kadesh Barnea, what what happened? Well, this is actually good for us to review today because this is part of my testimony. I was thinking about how old I was. Now that I think about it, I, I, I thought, I started off this morning saying it was 21, then I'm down to 20. I think it was 19. I think it was 19. When I was 19 or 20, uh, the preacher that I was sitting in front of talked about Numbers 13 and 14. Numbers 13 and 14 is they, they came to Kadesh. And uh, it says, okay, now let's send in some, uh, some spies. And let's send in 12 spies. And uh, they had all kinds of names. Shemua, Gadiel, Palti, and Joshua and Caleb. And these 12 spies came back. And two of them, named Joshua and Caleb, said, Woo! Let's go do it. Let's get it. We can do it. Yeah, we get the fact that the cities are fortified. We get the fact that the people are probably stronger and bigger than us. But God is on our side. Who can be against us? And Shemua and Palti and Gadiel and those guys said, no, 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 no. You have no idea how big these guys are. I mean, when we talk about fortified cities, there ain't no penetrating those cities. I mean, we can't do it. And so 10 of the spies said no. Two of them said yes. By the way, that's today why we name our kids Joshua and Caleb and why no kid here is named Palti or Gadiel or Shemua. <laughs> if anybody here is named Shemua, we need to talk after this. Because you and I are going to go get your parents, all right? And so, what happened was, God got so disappointed that the nation voted in favor of the ten negative reporters that they said, all right, we're not going to go in and get the land. And what they did from that moment on was wander because the Lord said, I'm punishing you now. And I'm going to tell you that for every day you're spying out the land, you're going to wander in the wilderness for a year. And they did it. They wandered. Now, remember Kadesh. Things happen at Kadesh. Things, we're, we, listen, we're not supposed to be operating in the wilderness. Anybody believe that? God doesn't want us in the wilderness. Amen. And so things happen in the wilderness. Things like people were swallowed alive by the ground at Kadesh. P things like, you know, Moses striking the rock. I mean, things happen in the wilderness. And by the way, Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land because he did that thing that day. I mean, bad things happen at Kadesh. Why? Because it's the wilderness and we are not made for wilderness. 
We are, we are made for the promised land. Can I tell you what happened that day? So the preacher says to Matt Friedemann, now I've had to look back on it to understand what he was saying. But after looking back on it, the preacher that day said to me this, Matt, now he didn't actually point me out that day, but the spirit through this preacher said, Matt, you are about ready to wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years. Which, by the way, brings me to about today. You are about ready to wander the wilderness for the next 40 years unless you seize the land. And I remember I was walking with the Lord, but I don't know what it was with me. I don't know if I was distracted, felt persecuted, bored, uh, or the culture around me. But just like these Jewish Christians, I had been distracted from Jesus and Jesus was regaining my attention to say, hey, You've got to seize my promised land for you or you're about ready to wander in the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you what that wandering would have meant. It probably means I don't marry the girl I marry. It probably means I don't have the kids I have. It probably means I'm not here today. I don't have a career in higher education. It means all kinds of things for me. And the Lord says to you today, no matter how many years you have left, I'm going to suggest to you something. Today is the day to seize the land. Amen. And if you don't seize the land today, there are no promises that you won't die in the wilderness. Because that generation did exactly that. Over the next 40 years, they died. They were buried in the sands of the wilderness because they did not seize the land. Folks, God wants you not to be distracted, not to be bored, not to say I quit because of persecution and not to say, hey, the culture around me has more sway of my life than Jesus Christ. He wants you to say, Jesus is greater than anything in my life. I will go where he wants me to go. I will do what he wants me to do. I will give what he wants me to give and I will be who he wants me to be. So let me tell you, I had issues that day. I mean, I'm in a white Volkswagen bug, headed home. Coolest car, by the way, you could possibly drive in that day. <laughs> I, was, I was headed home, and the Lord is doing this business in my life. There are three things. They're silly, they're stupid, they're crazy now. There are three things that were major issues in my life. Number one, I do not want to quit throwing the discus. Now, some of you don't even know what a discus is. Well, I get that. I wanted to be a quarterback. I wanted to be a quarterback. I wanted to be Peyton Manning. So just know that. I didn't want to be a discus thrower. I wanted to be Peyton Manning. Or I wanted to be Bob Cousy. Yeah, some of you don't even remember who he is. Bob Cousy of the Boston Celtics. Anybody remember? Oh, you people. I wanted to be Cousy. There you go. Prize to the man in the red shirt. I wanted to be Bob Cousy. I wanted to be the basketball point guard guy the great passer, the great shooter. That's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be a basketball player, a football player. I was terrible at both. But I was one of the best in the nation at throwing this stupid discus, which you don't even know what it is. That's what's embarrassing. So if you, when is the discus? You're asking your person next to you, just like he's doing, what is the discus? I don't know. I know, I know. But I got so good at it, I didn't want to give it up. I was spending so much time with it, I didn't want to give it up. So that day I said it. If you want me to give it up, it's yours. I'll never throw it again. You talk about knocking a God off the pedestal. Then I said this. Um, 
I was deep into the romance culture. I don't know how to say the romance culture. Let's just say I wanted a woman and didn't have one. So I had like three of them instead. And it just wasn't working out. You know what I mean? So I was more than happy to stick that one in the altar. God, you got the woman thing. I'll never get a load of this, I said. I'll never kiss another girl if you don't want me to. Whoa. Then I said the third thing. Third thing was, Lord, I assume that when everyone makes a serious commitment to you, they go to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa, but I'm willing to go to Africa if you want me to go to Africa. Now, those are my three things. They sound silly. They sound trite. But so do yours right now. In light of the greater person of Jesus Christ, whatever thing you got right now that's greater than Jesus is very extremely trite compared to Almighty God. And he says to you, give it up. And some of you grandparents right now, you've got to be able to say, I give my grandkids up. I give my kids up. I, I, I don't need to have them next door. Let them go to the known reaches of the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't have to have them next door. Let me say, I, that one touches me a little bit. Mary's gone. Have you noticed? Mary's gone this weekend. She's up in Indianapolis. That means I spent, and uh, you know, Isaiah's home some of the time. <laughs> but mostly it's me in the, in the house alone. Oh, Jesus, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't want to be alone. But guess what happens? This greater than thing becomes pretty important. I want to suggest to you, whatever the issue of your life is, Jesus is greater than that issue. Jesus is greater than that thing. Jesus is greater than the desire. Jesus is greater than Moses, than Abraham, than the angels. He's greater than, bet your life on that greater than person. Bet your life on him. Without reservation, without holding anything back. And if you can do that, boy, great things out ahead of him. Then this, encourage one another. Yeah. Verse 13. Everybody's got their kind of favorite people they like to listen to. I got to tell you, I don't listen to many podcasts. I don't listen to radio much or TV. But when I do listen to something, uh, I like to listen to Ravi Zacharias. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, I knew Ravi Zacharias before Ravi Zacharias was cool. 35 years ago, I heard about Ravi Zacharias. I said, oh, he, he was at a church about 10 miles away from our seminary. Went out and uh, I, I listened to him. I got all the tapes from that week. I, I memorized everything on the tapes. And I almost wrote him one day and said, Ravi, if you ever are sick and can't show up someplace, don't cancel the thing. Just send me in because I can do a Ravi Zacharias impression and I know all your stories. <laughs> I mean, I, I was serious. I was serious about Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias, interesting enough, tells, a, tells an interesting story in uh, one of his books. And it's a story that uh, comes out of Yugoslavian Christians and people suffering as Christians under the church's rule in Yugoslavia. Now get a load of that. Yugoslavian Christians and they're suffering under the church. So, this book covers that, and Ravi Zacharias talks about a guy named Yakov. Yakov is an evangelist, and Yakov goes into this village, 
And in this village is a guy named Simmerman. Simmerman has been abused by the church. Simmerman can tell you all about the plundering and the exploiting and even the killing of innocent people in the church. And Yakam is trying to share with Simmerman the love of Christ. Simmerman will have nothing to do with it. He doesn't want to hear about it. You know what he says? Listen, I've seen all these people that wear the crosses. I've seen all these people that wear the robes. I don't want to be like them, and I don't want them to influence anything about my life. I say no to your church. I say no to your Jesus. And Yakan just felt like, i got to say something. i got to do something. Jesus, help me. And in that moment came this story. Yaakov said to Simmerman, I want to ask you a question. Imagine this, that someone steals your coat. They come into your house and they steal your coat. Then they go hold up a bank. And while they're in the bank, someone tells the police, and so they start running away. The police try to catch up with the criminals. Can't do it. But they notice that one of them have on Simmerman's coat. They know Simmerman's coat very well. And so the minute they see Simmerman's coat, they think, Simmerman, and so they go to his house. They knock on his door and they say, Simmerman, you just robbed the bank. He says, I did no such thing. Why would you say such a thing? Because we saw you in your coat. And Yaakov says, what would you say to him? Simmerman says, well, I'd absolutely deny it. I wasn't wearing the coat. Yaakov says, exactly. You can wear the crosses and the robes, but they might not belong to Jesus. They might not belong to you. Sermon grew so angry that Yaakov, he says, get out. Get out of here. I never want to see you again. So Yaakov left. But he kept coming back to the village. He was, a, he was an evangelist, a traveling evangelist. He kept getting coffee dates with several. They kept talking with one another. And he kept trying to share this love of Jesus with him. But what he did most of all was he persisted. Just because Simon said go away, it didn't mean that he went away. He kept coming back and back and back again. And then one day Simon says, Yaakov, I'd like to know how to receive this Jesus of yours. And Yaakov says, oh, beautiful. And he took, them through, took him through the steps of repentance. Took him through how he could place his belief, his trust in this Jesus. And how he could expect transformation of his life day to day thereafter. And Sermon says, that's what I want. Sermon went down on his knee. And he prayed the prayer to receive Christ. He arose from that knee. He looked at Yaakov and with tears in his eyes, hugged him with a big bear hug. And he said to Yaakov, thank you so very much for being in my life. But he said one other thing. You, Yaakov, you wear his coat very well. Amen. Do you know what it means to encourage someone in Christ? Wearing the coat of Jesus very well. We sang it today. Did you hear it? Dressed in his righteousness divine. Some people say that's what you do on the day of judgment. When you approach the judgment seat, you can be dressed in his righteousness divine. In fact, 
probably the most famous Charles Wesley hymn ever written said, listen, when we approach the throne of God, we can do so boldly because we're not dressed in our life, we're dressed in the life of Jesus. Amen. That can happen, that should happen, praise be to God. But I also think it's a dangerous teaching. It's dangerous for this reason. This righteousness of Christ isn't just something you put on like a coat. It's something that seeps down into your life to the very marrow of your bones. It's something that goes down deep. It's not like just as if he were looking at Jesus on the day of judgment. He can look right at your heart and he can say, I judge you based on what you have done. And it says it over and over in the Bible. That's what we'll be judged on. That being said, righteousness is not just something we wear. It's something that comes all the way down into the deepest recesses of our heart, into the nook and crannies of our life. We can be holy as He is holy. And we need to encourage one another in that holiness. We ought to become the place. I love this book by Keith Miller called The Scent of Love. The basic gist of the book is, listen, Look, watch how these Christians love one another. And furthermore, notice how they love others, the unlovable, people who don't even trust them. They love them too. It was Julian the Apostate, the emperor of Rome, that says, you know, I hate these Christians. They not only take care of their own poor, they take care of ours as well. He was ticked off over it. But most of all, he was ticked off of the scent of love that that kind of concern gave out. Because when people smell the scent of love, they want to be a part of it. It's a sweet aroma. And they say, if that's what the church is all about, Yaakov, if the church is all about your kind of people, that's what I want to be a part of. Encourage one another by your life in Jesus even this week. We can live like Christ. We can walk as Jesus walked. We can be holy as He is holy. Dayspring, will you please stand? Lord Jesus, you are greater than anything else in our lives. You are greater than the prophets, the angels, Moses, Joshua, the priests greater than the tabernacle, greater than the Old Testament. You are the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Your sacrifice is greater than the Old Testament sacrifices. You are great. But Lord, forgive us when we get distracted. Forgive us when we get bored. Forgive us when we decide to go off and do things other than Jesus. Lord, you are the great one. Give everybody here today the grace to be able to say, I bet my life on the great one, on Jesus Christ, on the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one Godhead. Lord, help us to bet our life on that triunity. Lord, we want to bet our lives on you. And then, Jesus, we want to encourage one another in that love. Lord, some of us today have unbelieving hearts, hard hearts. But we sense this, we don't want to die in the wilderness. So Jesus, could you give us opportunity today to seize the promised land you have for us right now? If you are not experiencing that promised land, 
every head down now. If you're not experiencing that promised land, but you would like to, could you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you. I'm not in the promised land right now. I know it. I want to, though. I got the hand right there. Two hands, three, four, five, six hands. Hands all over the place. Jesus, right now, right now, these are people here today that say, by their own confession, I'm not where Jesus wants me to be. Could you, with your amazing grace, come crashing into their lives today? Today, Lord Jesus. And help us to follow you, the exclusive one, the greatest one, the only one of our lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, Dayspring, tonight at the town show. We'll see you there.